Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Hallelujah. Amen. We still have joy. Amen. God is good. A serpent bit us, but we didn't die. We were happily in the garden. And then a serpent came to bite. But we didn't die. How many have realized that you didn't die? How many have realized that you didn't die? Still have joy. After all, God blessed Abraham even though Abraham was part of the fallen race God blessed him even after all that you've been through God can still bless you things were not as they were supposed to be but there were still blessings in the hand of God God, Abraham prayed and he said, Lord, God came to him and said, Lord, the Lord said to Abraham, I'll bless Isaac. I'll bless him. I'll do this. I'll do that. And Abraham had another child with another woman. And he said, Lord, I, I still have a child. Ishmael, let him also stand before thee. Because you see, Ishmael was as much a child to Abraham as Isaac. So he said, let Ishmael stand before thee. Even the mistake, he was praying about the mistake. Lord, bless the mistake. And God said, as for Ishmael, I will bless him. But my covenant will be with Isaac. But Ishmael, I will still bless him. Because you have asked me to bless your mistake. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want you to know that every mistake that you have made, God can still bless the mistake. That's why it's never too far to pray. You can always pray about it. You can always pray about it. Even the mistake that is now matured into a grown-up. You are asking prayers about the mistake. And God said, I will bless your mistake. 
How many are glad that God can also bless the mistake? It is wonderful to know that God can bless mistakes. How many have made a mistake before? And then the mistake grew up. And the mistake matured. And the mistake developed wings. And then you began to pray. And God showed you that it was a mistake. But you still say, Lord, please, even though it's a mistake, bless my mistake. So God bless his mistake. Tonight, I know God will bless your mistake. Because of the mistake, you can't kill it again. To kill it will bring another problem. But God will bless it. And he will give you a miracle. Give the Lord a shout of praise, somebody. After all I've been through. Come on. After all I've been through. After all I've been yes, Lord. After all I've been through. After all I've been through. After all I've been through. I still have joy. I still have joy. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the underground church. Now tonight, I'm sharing about power in the underground church. Power in the underground church. How many want there to be power in the underground church? The underground church is the... the underground church is the church that is not so visible but is very real for instance it is said that the roots of an oak tree are as widely spread and as large as the leaves and the branches so that the branches you see up in the air the leaves and everything you see there's an equivalent underground you understand there is a huge operation under the ground apart from the one above the ground hallelujah and so uh, when you see a church there is the underground section of the church and then there's super ground part of the church the super ground church meets on Sundays and the underground church meets during the week you understand the underground church are found in smaller meeting places sometimes branches and places like that but they are very much real very real for instance if as a church in accra our income and our members you know our the members we have in the branches are probably now there was a time we were it was the same we the people that we had in the cathedral we had and the same number of people outside. I think now we have more people in the branches. When, when you put them all together, they are a far bigger church than even the cathedral. You see. So now the branches have become more and the people in the branches are more. Do you understand? Yeah. So the underground church 
is becoming more and more real. And our income from the underground church is also more than the, uh, uh, the one superground church or the superground church that we used to see. Hallelujah. Are you there? And um, the underground church which meets here on Thursdays, on Friday nights, and all nights, and different meetings and crusades and so on, they are all very real parts of the church. All right? But we need to have power in the underground church. Amen. Amen. How many want that power? Okay? Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to read verse number 18. Power in the underground church. All right. Are you there? Okay. Now, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. Now, the cross or the preaching of the cross is to people that are perishing, it is foolishness. But to people that are saved, it is the power. So if you want power, you need the cross. And you need to preach the cross. Now in order for us to have power in the underground church, we need to preach the cross and talk about the cross. And we need to practice whatever the cross represents. We don't just preach. We are preaching to practice what we preach. Amen. Now, sacrifice of any kind or the cross of any in any form or fashion always brings or releases power Amen. right Amen. even uh, unbelievers know about this in second kings chapter 3 verse 26 the bible says and when the king of moab saw that the battle was too sore for him he took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of edom but they could not then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was a great indignation against Israel and they departed from him and returned to their own land. Amen. Are you there? The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there was this great battle that was going on in Second Kings chapter 3. Are you listening? And um, today I'm preaching for a very short time, so listen carefully. I'm going, I'm going a bit fast. And what happened was that they were fighting, and this guy knew that they were going to die. So that was a matter of life and death. And you need some power to break through or to win the battle. Okay? So he took 700 men using his physical power and physical strength and fought against the people. Still, they couldn't break through. It was fighting, physical fighting. It wasn't working. When he realized that the thing was not going to work, he took his son, his own son, who should have reigned in his stead, and he put him on the wall and sacrificed him. And when the people of Israel saw it, the Bible says, the, the word which I should be said to use that same word, is there was a great indignation. It was offensive. And it released a kind of power. And they, and they knew it. Ain't it now they released that power and, or they did that sacrifice? Because it, you see, power, uh, sacrifice and sacrificial behavior releases a kind of power that cannot be released by any other thing. So when the man released that, his, the blood of his own son, in other words, he had released the ultimate blood 
and therefore there was nothing else that even could be done against them which is what happens with sacrifice when you sacrifice as you get to a point there's nothing else you can say about me that you have said that you haven't said there's nothing more that can happen to me i've lost everything there's nothing worse than can happen to me but most of us have something worse that can happen to us or something more difficult that we can still give up apart from giving up everything you understand so we, we, we don't have a certain power you understand because as soon as you have nothing else to lose when i put my son on this wall and i've sacrificed and burnt him there's nothing wilder again that is going to happen or that can happen to me and so he rose up and that thing released a power that ended the whole battle people become powerful when they make sacrifice that is why witches and wizards do sacrifices because there is power in sacrifice i once met a a, a young man who told me about a cemetery he went to sleep with his father in the in the Volta region and he said they took some blood he cut himself his father cut himself they mixed their blood and so not a story he told me himself he said i slept in a cemetery for seven days you know doing kinds of witchcraft and wizard and other things that are killed we have killed landlords and other people we've killed them <laughs> are you understanding what i'm saying so people shed blood and make sacrifice in psalm 106 verse 37 it says yea they sacrifice their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood even the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrifice unto the idols of canaan and the land was polluted with blood amen are you listening to me now ladies and gentlemen um are you there now when you become a pastor in the and all of you are going to be pastors in the underground church when you become a pastor in the underground church the first kind of power that you need is power to make people follow you all right so when you join the church at whatever level there will always be something that you have to sacrifice you understand so you must understand that there is going to be power released to make people follow you to your small groups for fellowship meetings ministry meetings whatever meetings you have there must be power released and you see you be you yourself become powerful when you have sacrificed i mean when you've already lost your life you have nothing else to lose like i remember this young boy who was holding an ak-47 or whatever in a one of the wars in Liberia or Sierra Leone, one of those places. And uh, he was a soldier. He had killed many people. And he said, my mother was killed, my father was killed, all my brothers and sisters were killed. I don't have anybody, I don't have anything else to lose. So he became, he joined the army. He joined the war. A little boy, I saw his photograph, saw what he said. Because he's lost everything. He's lost his mother, he's lost his father. His mother was killed in front of him. His father was killed in front of him. His, his brothers and sisters were killed. He had no relative, no contact anywhere in the world. He has a gun and he can kill. And there's nothing else that he has to lose. You see, that is what people don't realize. The difference between sometimes full-time ministry and lay ministry is that sometimes, not in every case, because not everybody who is paid by the church is in full-time ministry. We have watchmen and others who are paid by the ministry. They are not in full-time ministry. And, and some of the people who are employed in the church they are not in full-time ministry in their hearts they have just got a job everything depends on the heart you understand 
But sometimes what we don't realize is that to give up everything is, is, the, is the thing. To have nothing else that you can lose is the thing. And sometimes we sit, we are preaching, and we don't want people to know what we really think, what we really feel, what we've been through. We are not prepared even to release our, our lives as they are. Ain't it that there's no power in the preaching? You look at the preaching in a way and it's like, we're going, there's no power, there's no feeling in the, in the, in the thing. So we need power to make people follow us in this underground church. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? How many want people to follow you? And all the ministries that we are, we are going into more groups, fellowships, small, small groups everywhere. People must follow you and that is the proof of your calling. When you start to fight in this underground church and you start to win, you have 12 people, you have 10 people and you start to walk in the anointing and you have even 10 people in this world who follow you and who believe in you and who listen to you. You have reached a realm, I'm telling you. Today when I was coming to church, somebody called me and was telling me, a pastor, uh, he had started a church and he said, oh, averagely of 9 to 10 people come to the church every Sunday. And I said, congratulations to this pastor. I said, call him and congratulate him for me. If you like, go outside and see if you can get 10 people to follow you. Ten people to come. Ten people to sit down. Ten people that you tell them about life and about God. See if they will come. You try. So ladies and gentlemen, thank God for the opportunity that you have to be in the ministry. And everyone here must plan. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a... And you, you will not easily stand here. Do you understand what You cannot easily be here. This particular place. You cannot easily be here. Do you understand? But you can be there. Do you understand? And there you can have eight people. And six people. And seven people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And do your best over there. That's what God has given to you. God has also given me here. Here is in Collegono. And that's where I am. I'm not trying to be in America. I am not in Atlanta. I am not in California. I am not in New York. I am not in Texas. I am in Collegono. This is what God has given me, and I'm happy to be where I am. So you two, wherever you are, force, I'm at a force, to have some people to preach to. Amen. Now, there must be power. Now, many of us, listen, this is the crux of the message. We, we are not prepared to sacrifice. You see, when you are in the underground church, the sacrifice is different from when you are in the superground church. Now, I operate largely in the superground church. But I've operated for many years in the underground church. Now, I operate mostly in the superground church. Because most of the time when I have a meeting, there's quite a number of people there anyway. You understand so most of my operations are in the superground church. Now the sacrifices that you make in superground church is different from the sacrifice you make in the underground church. When you are in the underground church, you have to decide to sacrifice every day. You see, let me explain to you. If you come to church on Tuesdays, it's necessary. If you are not here on Tuesday, I cannot speak to you or motivate you, encourage you to do the work. Number two, if you are in a branch, you have a weekday service on Wednesday. 
If you are not in a weekday service on Wednesday, you are, we have uh, ministry meetings here on Thursday. We are just about to start a young people's church service on Friday evenings. We have, yeah, all young people, just a special service right in the cathedral. Now, you may have that. On Saturday, there may be some kind of rehearsal or some kind of uh, music or church worker groups or whatever. Now, when are you going to follow up the people? You have to pick a day. Maybe Wednesday. You understand? And then Saturday, you also have to be on the move. Look, let me tell you something. There is no ministry without sacrifice. Even the fact that I'm even calling it sacrifice shows that the church is trying to shift from its original calling. And I've decided that I'm going to try to be like Abraham. Bible says that, and God said, I know Abraham, he will command his children and his household that they follow after the ways of the Lord. Because I realized that not every father tells the child what to do, especially when it's hard to do. Look, when I was in Calvary Road, which is, if you like, you call the underground church, I went for meetings and activities for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I may go to church or I may not go to church. Yeah, I was rather in an underground church. We work from Monday to Saturday. Sunday even, it's a resting day. Yeah. We are out every day. Every day we are moving. There are souls awaiting. You can't do the work of God by coming to sit here on Tuesdays. Or coming to sit here maybe on Thursday. There must be an outreach. That people are not prepared to sacrifice and to move. That is why there's no outreach. And that's why there's no growth in the underground church. Because to, 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 for there to be growth, you must come. Live, live. See, 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 you must be here. If it's Thursday, Friday, we are meeting all night. We are praying. Then I, when I was on campus, I used to have all night every Friday, followed by dumb broadcast and follow-up on Saturday. What are you talking about? Followed by church on Sunday. Followed by activities and counseling, visiting on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day. We gave our life fully and totally. And you sit here thinking that you just come around on Tuesday, just come around on Sunday. It will get you nowhere. There is no effort and there is no sacrifice from you. You just watch and watch and miss me. Don't, don't, don't start clapping. There is no effort. There is no input from you. There is no out, output. There is nothing that costs something. You can't just be watching us. Do you know where I'm from as I'm standing here preaching? You see me here, maybe you may not see me here tomorrow. You may not, do you know where I'm going? Do you know where I came from? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know, do you know when I will go home today? You don't have an idea. Most of the work is done by labor, hard labor, and sacrifice. And the kind of musicians that we have today who come to church for one service, the next service you call for them, you don't see them. Wishy-washy kind of instrument. Musicians, you see, you see the music that they like is secular music. The other day, I was sitting in a, a bar or a restaurant, and I was saying, I told some people, I was saying, listen to the music. There's no difference between this music and what some people call Christian music. There's no way we can say that it's Christian music. Most of the musicians are wishing what their spirituality is very low. Anything that they like such secularized type of music, which is not spiritual. Because it's not the words and the spirit. It's the music and the jamming and the session in the thing. That's all. Oh yeah. oh yeah direct direct i have no apologies for what i'm saying most of the musicians are they are not spiritual if you are spiritual 
then one day I was talking to Bishop Duncan Williams. He was listening. He was saying that there's nobody putting someone of the popular. He said, Jay, remove that thing. You know, I, I, I don't enjoy it. I don't know what it is. Remove it. A spiritual person doesn't like certain things. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to tell you it's just a sign. You put one service you are here. The next service you can't get the person. He's not around. He's outside. He's gone home. He's eating sausage somewhere. We were there on Fridays. We were there on Friday through the night. Saturday through the whole day. Sunday through the whole day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You walk around here on Saturday, come and walk in like a diplomat. What are you talking about? Ministry? Then you are joking. Not this ministry. What are you talking about? Nonsense. That's not ministry. That's joking and games. Oh. Don't talk about ministry. You know how we've given our lives? To work day after day, night after night for the work of God. And you see some people, they come into full-time ministry. You want to be paid this and this and that. So I just laugh. Me, I'm the head of a multinational organization. Don't, don't let me go into things. And, and you see them, they just wake up one day and come. We want to be this and that. It's funny. Very, very funny. I have been every Tuesday from Koleba. I'll take you every single Tuesday. From Kolebu School of Hygiene, I've been sitting there. I've been service every Tuesday for years. And suddenly you want to have Tuesday service. You don't have Tuesday service like that. You have to pay the price. You don't want to pay the price. You want to be like me. Keep watching. You will never be like me. You'll never be like anybody. If you listen to Benny Hinn, you see, you see the, the books. I was listening to Benny Hinn today. He was saying the books I like reading are books by old people. People who are very, I mean, who have died. He reads them. He's deep. Yes, of course, not yesterday you see he's coming to stand there to sing, I'm the Lord that he led thee, and then miracles are taking place. You don't have any idea. The price that people have paid personally to know God. Come and sit in church and just walk in and out like diplomats. Goodness gracious. There's no power in them. That's why when we delegate and say, you are in charge of this group, the group dies. When we say, you are in charge of this small group, the group dies. When we put you, say, you are in charge of the choir, the choir dies. When we put you in charge of this group, finish. What to ask for putting you are the president of the collapse. You are the one who is going to preside over the collapse of that ministry. Because we had a mistake of putting someone who is absolutely powerless. Listen, we sent some people a missionary. Go to Odan. Go here, go here. Then you, you, when you make some surprises, you go to Odan and see that they are not there. They are in Accra. They are in Accra. Doing business. And you call yourself a missionary. And you want to be paid too. Foolish head. I said, foolish. I said, your head is foolish. You want to be paid. And you are in a crowd. And we put you in the town there. And you don't stay in the town. And you think the church will grow. Every day you come, you see that eight people came. Six children and two adults. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't want to get into things. And we put you in charge of something, the whole thing will collapse. We send you somewhere. That's why if we send people somewhere after a while, we start to assess the brother, look, come return. Return to the original place you were. Rawlings. President Rawlings. He has not been to university, but he was able to get people like Kwesi Botre, who has been to university, to follow him. And you, you say, oh, 
because of whatever this certain people don't come certain people don't come there's no power in what you are doing you see i want to show you that power is released you understand when somebody sacrifices clever lawyers like chatu chikata followed him defended him at 29 he did his school when he was 29 years old he had intelligent people to defend him 29 years old followed him and supported him fully for 20 years he's rude as yeah i have a book here you can buy it i know you won't buy it but you can buy it because you don't spend time to read and you want to be a preacher that is so funny it's so amazing i mean it's so amazing there's nothing in you nothing to give nothing to offer peter said what i have such as i have give ivy open no co you are just empty you're an empty shell oh please how I many you won't get people to do follow-up today you just come in church a big man coming around and so on you wouldn't do follow-up you wouldn't do outreach you can't even be and even you can't witness because we are not spiritual if you want to be a shepherd you want to be a pastor you want to walk in the church and pose ah, i'm a pastor come church sit in front oh please let me read let me read it to you hmm. all right don't clap for me don't clap for me listen to my message Uh, where is it? The first accused, Flight Lieutenant Jerry John Rollins of the Ghana Air Force Station, is a young man aged about 31. This was the voice of the Director of Public Prosecution, Dr. Mr. J.E.K. Akins, has been summarized at the opening of a trial to charge, he has been charged with conspiracy to cause mutiny, mutiny with violence. And the seventh accused was facing a charge of concealment of mutiny. Bema Hall. 28th May 1979, the conference hall was crowded. Eh? Accused persons marched in. First accused, Flight Lieutenant Rawlings. Second accused, aircraft man, John, John Newton, Gachiko. Third accused, Silvanus Tamaklu. Fourth accused, Captain David Baba. Fifth accused, aircraft man, Akwesi, uh, Albert Akwesi Bafa and others now uh, the crowd mr president this is a judge members of the court see somebody has been arrested for, for trying to cause problems he said mr president members of the general court matter briefly these are the facts this state of affairs through the whole issue of our crime to pandemonium during which a number of civilian population ran helter skelter and some fat Makola women succeeded in outrunning the thin ones. <laughs> now, they said that the first accused had, this is Mr. Kojo Yanka's book. Kojo Yanka, I bought it in the library. Uh, the first accused had for some long time felt disillusioned about the injustice in our society, more particularly under the Achampong regime. And... Um, Mr. Jerry John Rollins thought things were going to improve. When he realized there were no improvements in the conditions of life, he was struck with dismay and lamented over what he called the tarnished image of the armed forces. Okay? Now, the accused continued. Adjournment. They adjourned the case. All right? Now, you listen to. Uh, history did not follow the full text of Jerry's draft speech 
as mentioned by the prosecutor, ever to be read. But in his own writing, as obtained from my, by my research, according to Mr. Kojoyanka, listen to what he, he was saying. Fellow citizens of Ghana, now, you listen to me well and good. Because I'm not here to make a speech and I'm not here to waste my time talking. First and foremost, I'm not here to impose myself on 10 million citizens of this country. But I am telling you today that I am here today in the history of this country to address myself to senior military officers and all those politicians, those businessmen and foreign criminals who have used our blood, sweat and tears and the toils of our laboring to enrich themselves and to drown in wine and women while you and I, the majority of us, are daily struggling for survival. Yes, I know what it feels like to go to bed with a headache for want of food in the stomach. I am not an expert in economics and I am not an expert in law, but I am an expert in working on an empty stomach while wondering when and where the next meal will come from. <laughs> he continued, you and I are the bigger fools for allowing such blatant abuse of human dignity. Alright? Now, on Wednesday 30th May, the court martial resumed. Court continued. On the walls of Bema camp were posters, conspicuous. Some of the posters said, stop the trials or else. I'm showing you how a 20 now, 31, is it 31 or 20? Yeah, old man was able to get lawyers, professors, lecturers, and all to follow him. You cannot get anybody to follow you. If you want to die, continue this trial. Now people have started to write. If you want to die, continue this trial. Another poster said revolution or death. Another poster said the struggle will continue. But in no time, the military tore them all down. They cheered openly during the, the trial, in spite of warnings by Colonel Enimfo. The first witness, Flight Lieutenant Atemu, confessed that the first accused was said that he was prepared to die on behalf of the rest of the accused. As soon as he said that, the applause grew wilder. When the first accused said, I will die for all of them. The people he was going to die for are Captain Baba, leading aircraftman Akwesi Albert Bafa, sixth accused leading aircraftman Daniel Jigbolosu, and the seventh accused corporal Ajoyak Ubald, and John Newton Gajiko. He said, I am ready to die on behalf of all of them. Ready to die for seven people, and you are ready to die for nothing, nothing on this earth. Nothing will make you die for anybody or lose anything. The fire caught on. Here was a real leader, one corporal Ajay told me later. In the military, the junior ranks don't like officers who are cowards. Moreover, he was saying something all of us had wanted to say. We only needed a leader and we all identified in him, Flight Lieutenant Rawlings. Even those who did not know him before came to love him. If President Rawlings stands for election today, he will win. That's my personal prediction. If he stands for election today, he will win. How many think that he will win if he can't stand for election? He will win, hands down. It's for Atanos who cannot win, but he can win. <laughs> The third 
sitting of the court was on 31st May. The defense counsel cross-examined the first prosecution witness amidst shouting and clapping in support of the stand taken by Flight Lieutenant Rollins. Before the court was adjourned to find a defendant, and he gave a final warning to the public gallery to stop shouting and clapping. Do you see? They are trying to stop people from following someone who is demonstrating that he's ready to die. The die was cast. Some of the members of the public waved at them with fists raised. When the people saw that this 31-year-old man was prepared to die for a cause, it inspired many to follow him. Are you listening to me? Many of our democratically elected uh, politicians are not prepared to die. Many of them are prepared to gain. They are not prepared to die. So what I want to say is that you may have been to Oxford, Cambridge, have shepherd certificate, pass mega church, pass loyalty. There's not an inch or a, a centimeter cube of sacrifice in you willing to do anything. That is why no one will follow you. And I'm talking about the power to make people follow you. You see me? I've sacrificed my medical career. I've sacrificed my career in, in medicine, in, 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 in America, in this, in that. I've sacrificed it. That is one of the reasons why people follow. You may not know that, but it releases a certain amount of power because my life has been laid on the line. You may not know that, but that's the reality. So it causes people to follow. And you see, many of us do not, are not prepared to stand up for anything. Even rebels, when they start fighting, it's not good to praise a rebel, but most rebels stand up for something. So I don't believe in that. I'm against you. And then people follow them. Whether they follow them are right or wrong, but still, they stand for something. Like Absalom, who fought against father. I, don't want, I want to kill my father. Who wants to follow me to kill my father? We want to follow you to kill your father. And they followed him. That's why we have all our meetings and there's no one there. And you see that, hey, if there are some people, if you put them in charge, the whole thing will finish. You just put them in charge, it's a mistake. It will get, they will supervise the collapse of the thing. And President Wallace's letter, people say, when he's speaking, you don't understand. Oh, no, you don't understand, but people are following what you cannot understand. That's it. That is it. And they followed generals, people, I mean, uh, what, educated professors, lecturers. Many of the people who follow are lecturers in the law school. Lecturers, Chatutikata and all these guys, they are all lecturers. A learned man, they followed a, a, an educate, an educate, from five liver. Look at Bishop Duncan Williams. What education does he have? People follow him. The next one, the power to make people believe. Nobody believes you when you preach. They think you are reading a speech. Amen? Amen. Yeah? Have you ever wondered about Christ? He never campaigned for votes. He constantly told people not to publicize the good things he had done for them. He never preached on TV or radio. He did not build any institutions in his memory. His picture was never on a billboard. And he never owned a car. And yet the whole world has gone after him. Why? Why? 
He told people, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Still, the whole world is following him. Why did he stop preaching? I want somebody, if somebody can answer, that why did he stop preaching? Why didn't he continue preaching? Would he not have done a lot of good by preaching till he was 80 years old? No. What must be done by sacrifice cannot be done by preaching. Amen. Yeah. What, can, what must be done by sacrifice cannot be done by preaching. That's why he stopped preaching. He stopped. His, he stopped. Don't clap. Don't clap. No time for clapping. He stopped preaching and gave his life. That's what many lay people don't understand. That sometimes it's not the time for what you say, but what you can give. That's why he stopped abruptly and walked to Jerusalem where the killers were and allowed them to kill him. Because there's a time to sacrifice. Look at the choristers. They won't come for rehearsal because they don't have a leader who will make the, who will also pay the price. When you have a leader in the choir who will lead them, lead them for camps, lead them for prayer meetings, lead them for revival, anoint them, lay hands on them, pay the price, visit them, you see the choir will be like a church. Number three. The power to induce commitment. Paul said, what things were gained to me, huh? I counted as loss for Christ. Huh? Why? For the excellency of the knowledge. Why did Paul lose everything? Because he was also inspired by Christ to give up everything and to die. And in a day when they were fed to lions for entertainment by the Romans, you don't want to know what the Roman Empire was like. You don't want to know about it. There was nothing like it. If you ever have an opportunity to watch it, you will not, unless it's an imagination, you wouldn't want to know. Yet Paul gave up his Roman citizenship, his job, his profession, his everything for the excellency. Because somebody had also inspired him. How come there are no commitments? Hey, Pastor, today the people come, tomorrow they don't come. Today they come, tomorrow they don't come. Because you are like that in your heart. And many of the lay pastors, you see that one day they say, I'm going here, I'm leaving. They see that, they are going. You see, all along, you were not committed. In thing, and one day, you are off. You've abandoned the sheep, pay! And the abandonment has always been in you, even though you've been preaching powerful message, the same message that we preach, but there's no power in you. Because inside, you are not committed. The day you leave, the sudden they will see that you've left. There's a difference between a lay pastor and a full-time pastor. The next one, the power to make people take you seriously. We are all preaching the same message, but they don't take you serious. We are going to work, and I'm going to command my children to do the right thing. We are going to sacrifice, and we are going to work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day. Time to work. Stand up, please. Are you glad to be part of the underground church? Or you don't like my message today? <laughs> Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word and what a blessing you are today. We thank you for the great call to be a part of the underground church workers and laborers and soldiers. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. 
Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.